Hey, this is the Pyro Light Podcast, episode 28. Of course, this is the off season, and many of you, like myself, are chomping at the bit for the 2016 NFL season to get rolling. But we got a long way to go and a short time to get there, as the bandit himself knows, and Pyromaniac has got your back through it all. We heard a taste of the bamboos. Coming in, a song entitled The Witch. Now, these boys get me moving. I've played them before. But if you want to hear The Witch in its entirety from the bamboos, stay tuned at the end of the show. Now, as I said, this is the Pyro Light Podcast, episode 28. And recently, I had the good fortune to sit down with Mr. Christopher Harris. Now, Chris Harris joined me for a fantasy football talk. And many of you, I'm sure, remember him from his years of service over at ESPN. Christopher Harris is now the owner and operator of Harris Football. He's putting out a fantastic Harris Football podcast, which we talk about a bit, and of course his impeccable Film Futures, where he does film study on a variety of fantasy-relevant players, and then breaks it down what he saw for his listeners. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Harris Football. Now, you can follow me, PyromaniacMo, P-Y-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-C-M-O, and the rest of the crew is at Pyromaniac, that's P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one, A-C. Some other things at Pyro real quick before we do the fantasy football talk with Christopher Harris. I want you to check out the Pyromaniac Draft Kit, recently released for the 2016 season. $20 now gives you the Excel document with over 20 tabs of fantasy football goo. Tiers, pros and cons for all ranked players, strength of schedule, Plus, you get all sorts of data tables and charts you can use to dominate your draft and even into and throughout the 2016 season. Now, if you buy it now, you get all the updated versions sent to you automatically upon release all the way up to the season kickoff. That's available now on Pyromaniac.com. Of course, we've also been working on the Pyro Pro subscription service. This provides in-season rankings, uh, access to the Pyro Mindshare, where you can ask direct questions pertaining to anything fantasy football. Plus, we've got great data points, extra videos for Pyro Pro members, metrics that are available all year round. And when you purchase the Pyro Pro subscription, you get it for 365 days of access. That is the Pyro Pro subscription service. Don't forget, guys, leave us a, on, uh, a review on iTunes. Make sure you're reviewing the Pyro podcast that has over 150 reviews. Now, due to an iTunes error, they split up our show into two. So if you're leaving a review, or if you've left one, make sure it's to the Pyro podcast with over 150 reviews. To encourage you to do this, any new reviews left in the 2016 year. That's 2016. If you leave a review in the 2016 year, you've got the opportunity to win a free Pyro Pro membership. We're going to hold the drawing in April, so keep those reviews coming in. Here's one, a recent one, from Jem Hawk. He says, these guys are great. Lots of information on a weekly basis. We'll cover everything from draft strategy to their rankings. During the season, they will break, uh, talk about every game and the matchups to look for out there. They won me three championships in the 2015 season. Thanks, Jim Hawk. Love hearing that, that the Pyromaniacs are using our goo to uh, better their fantasy seasons. Thank you so much. All right, Pyromaniacs, without further ado, 
Here is the fantasy football talk I had with Christopher Harris from Harris Football. Enjoy. All right, pyromaniacs, as promised, I've got a real treat for you today. Christopher Harris is on the other line with me. Now, many of you remember him from his long run as an ESPN senior fantasy analyst. Christopher Harris is the owner and operator of HarrisFootball.com. He is a seven-time Fantasy Sports Writing Association Award winner. Currently, one of the cool tools on Harris Football, if you ask me, is the Harris Football Podcast. That recently won the FSWA's Podcast of the Year for 2015. You can follow him on Twitter, he's on Facebook, on Instagram, at Harris Football. How are you, Mr. Harris? I'm really, really well. That's a flattering introduction. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Um, just on a quick note, uh, one of the things I really enjoy about the podcast, and I'm sure we're going to get into that later, but I was uh, just listening, and you go beyond football. Um, <laughs> you and uh, some of your, your buddies there, Cousin Josh, you talk about films, and most recently, you know, I'm an English teacher by trade, and you did uh, top uh, literary novels uh, that you like. You gave a top 10, so I always really enjoy that stuff. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on over at Harris Football.com, of course, 95% of the content is fantasy-oriented. But uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Harris Football and the podcast you're doing. Yeah, I mean, the website is really a home for the podcast. It's the, the website. I think, you know, it's got rankings during the season. It'll have rankings, you know, at some point here for the offseason. But uh, I think if you're looking for, like, really in-depth written coverage, you're going to be a little disappointed. The, the business is very centered around the podcast. But it's been awesome. I started it at... Uh, like the last couple days of July of last year. And, uh, you know, I th like I left ESPN. They offered me to come back. I was kind of just fried a little bit. I really love those guys still. There's certainly no ill will on my end. I don't think there is on there on either. Um, and so I just said, what am I going to do? And I thought, I'll probably do something other than fantasy. I'm kind of burned out on it. But I've had all this 2015 knowledge in my head. So why don't I try a podcast every weekday, which is kind of something I'd always wished I'd done at ESPN. And I uh, just thought, you know, once the season ends, we'll see how it went. But, you know, then I'll figure out what I'm going to do after that. And instead, it went bananas. Uh, people really, really listened a lot and liked it. And suddenly, it's like a livelihood. And I did not expect that to happen. But I guess those are the happy surprises in life. Yeah. And, you know, Pyromaniacs, I got to tell you, this is one of the podcasts that I listen to. And uh, just to tell you, Chris, I, I really enjoy uh, what you're doing at the Harris Football Podcast. It's uh, kudos to you, sir. Great stuff. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's fun. Absolutely. Now, at Pyro, uh, one of the things we're constantly trying to teach listeners to fish uh, rather than uh, you know, give them a plate for the day. I guess <laughs> it's kind of a biblical term there we're stealing. Uh, but one of the many ideas behind these little fantasy football talks I do on the Pyro podcast light is to kind of shrink the fantasy world a bit, uh, bring some of the best and brightest together, uh, talk with folks in the industry. Basically, we want to expose our listeners to cool um, tools and people in the industry. So what is a resource that you yourself find particularly valuable during the fantasy season, whether it's a website, a metric, um, any sort of tool that you use that you find indispensable for you? You know, I really try, you know, this is like, I'm going to sound like I'm being a snob here. I, I try and stay away from anybody else's analysis, not because there aren't awesome people out there. And in fact, one really cool thing about having this show has been um, having the opportunity to have guests on. When, when you're at ESPN, unfortunately, they put up a wall and you, you know, whatever you're, whatever you do, you can't involve anybody who's not ESPN and, and vice versa. Once you're outside, you can't, 
I can't get my friends from ESPN on the show. But the nice thing about being outside that wall is getting to talk to a lot of experts and getting their opinions. And that's awesome. But I try not to read too much of other people's stuff because I want to kind of develop my own opinion. And my general way I do it is via film watching game film. I watch every single game and kind of, uh, you know, try to weigh in on what I actually see rather than worrying about things like metrics, which I think in football tend to lie a little bit. And so for me, I'm going to say the tool we were talking about before we even started recording um, is NFL Game Pass at NFL.com. Anybody can get it for under $100 for the whole season and you get access to basically rewinding games. You can see any game you want and, you know, after a day after it happens, and you can sort by players and you can sort by teams and you can um, skip a lot of the nonsense and just see all the plays. And it, it is just so unbelievably useful. I spend basically two days every week during the season, like hunkered down in front of the laptop, just watching film on that NFL game pass. Yeah. And that's uh, one of the reasons I'm excited uh, to talk to you is really uh, the film futures uh, you're doing over at Harris Football and your eye. Uh, you've got an incredible eye. And, you know, most people in the industry, they rely on data. Uh, you're relying on what you see. And it, let me say, it's a fantastic analysis that you're giving. So in your experience, you've watched a ton of film and uh, pyromaniacs. Again, I'm talking to Christopher Harris. You can go on harrisfootball.com. He's got a button there that says Film Futures. And uh, it, it links to the podcast, basically, and talks about the guys he has recently watched and talks about. So what are some guys that you've looked at on film but just haven't seen um, – have not been able to make the jump to fantasy success yet? You've seen something, but they haven't – it hasn't really translated to fantasy success. Is there anybody you've got that you're kind of waiting for to uh, have a good year in fantasy? It's a good question. Uh, you know, I don't have any, but nobody like leaps to mind as this is definitely the breakout guy. And and I feel like my analysis tends to be a little more circumspect and I usually don't go, you know, I am betting my child, my children. I don't have children, but if I had children, uh, <laughs> you know, I would say I really liked uh, Jay Ajay, his film. Uh, he obviously hasn't been a star yet for the Dolphins. I'm not going to be alone. I don't think I'm going on a huge limb here saying Jay Ajay has got a chance to be a really interesting fantasy player for next year because Lamar Miller won't be on Miami and they've spent a ton of money at other places, most of the defensive line. And so they're probably maybe a draft pick, but there probably is no other big name coming in to Miami. Uh, Matt Forte was rumored as a possibility. doesn't sound like that's happening. So uh, I, I like a And what I like about him is I, you know, I like guys who can move laterally like that at 220 pounds or so. Um, we didn't see a ton of him, and you know he was hurt earlier in the year, and later in the year, he split time with Lamar Miller, and you know, if he has 100 NFL carries, I don't think he does. Right? So I can't say I've seen enough film to be totally convinced, but uh, you know, let's put it this way: he's going to be very hyped this summer because of the depth chart situation. But he's a player whose film I liked enough to say, well, I think maybe some of that hype is justified. Yeah, 49 carries for a guy in a. 2015 seven receptions so uh a lot of the guys i'm actually going to talk to you about are, are something like that with mm. a small sample size right. and you know we're we're making these judgments on imperfect information incomplete information but like i say you've got a great eye for this sort of thing so uh let me ask you about a few of the guys now last year you know as fantasy analysts i guess i'll, I'll use the term loosely when speaking of myself um <laughs> but i i identified baldwin 
as a guy I was going to take a flyer on. Now, of course, I didn't hang on to him long enough. He, he didn't really rise to prominence until about week 10, at which point he rattled off seven double-digit fantasy point games in a row, six of which he goes for over 20. Uh, now, before the season, I found him by looking at two metrics together, and that was catch percentage above 70 and average depth of target beyond 10 yards. Well, I looked at that same thing again this year. Uh, in 2015, there were five wide receivers that had double-digit depth of target averages and still had a very high catch rate, above 70%. Baldwin, again, was there. A.J. Green, there. We, we know him. But I want to ask you about some of the other guys on the list. The other three, well, really kind of four, Richard Matthews was there, Willie Sneed, Jermaine Curse, and Tyler Lockett was right there. He had, a, uh, according to fo- Pro Football Focus, had 9.9 uh, yards at the average target. But uh, what do you think about a Richard Matthews as a receiver going into the 2016 season? Well, I will talk about Matthews in a second, but let me just mention that I think of the six guy, five or six guys you just mentioned, three yeah. are Seahawks, and that is a that would say to me, okay, maybe it's not about the receivers. <laughs> you know, maybe it's more about the system and the quarterback. Um, so Richard Matthews, uh, very interesting, a free agent, and as of our talking about this, he hasn't signed yet. I know he's got an interest from the Patriots. He's got an interest from the Jets. And, you know, who knows that interest, quote unquote, interest is often the agent talking to a reporter. Right. So there might not be any interest there at all. I think Richard Matthews is a little bit underrated. You know, we sort of viewed him as a pure, slower slot receiver. And, you know, that's probably, you know, he probably isn't a super dominant outside wide receiver. He probably is more of a slot guy. You know, in Miami, he was never going to be the slot guy because they got Jarvis Landry, who's a terrific player. Um, and, and therefore, Matthews is sort of left a little bit out in the cold, but produced fairly well. And, you know, like you said, fairly far down the field, especially for a Ryan Tannehill target until he broke those ribs and wound up missing the, you know, I think last five or six games of the season. Um, what I've seen from Richard Matthews is, you know, if you like Marvin Jones, who signed a big contract with the Lions, I kind of think Richard Matthews is maybe Marvin Jones light, maybe not quite as fast, maybe not quite as big maybe not a dominant outside receiver. I'm not sure Marvin Jones is going to be a dominant outside receiver. Um, I think Richard Matthews's fantasy value is very much going to be about where he lands. I mean, if he goes with Tom Brady, there's potential for me to be excited there. Uh, you know, I would say if he goes to Cleveland, I'm, I'm a little less impressed. And if he stays with Ryan Tannehill again, that feels to me like they have a lot of other weapons. Um, so I would say I'm, I'm medium on him maybe a little disrespected in that I don't think the production was a fluke. I think he's pretty talented, but you know, Marvin Jones light is probably not anybody's definition of like, you know, super exciting for fantasy. Right. Right. Um, now uh, the next guy, and I, I will tell you with Marvin Jones as a lions fan, there, there's certainly interest in there. word on the Twitter sphere is he's coming. I'll take what I can get, but <laughs> we've just, we've been abused over the years, losing Barry now losing Megatron. It just ain't fair, brother. Just, ain't fair in Motown. But uh, let me tell you about the favorite guy, or maybe you can tell me about my favorite guy on this list. Again, these are guys 70% catch rate and average depth of target beyond 10 yards. Uh, Willie Sneed, he is my uh, my favorite of the, the list. What do you think about Sneed next year? Yeah, I was impressed with him. Uh, it doesn't, it feels like he is probably one of those players who benefits from not being the best receiver on his team. I think Brandon Cooks is very clearly that. Uh, Brandon Cooks kind of fits that mold of Antonio Brown, that kind of new, exciting. I'll put Tyler Lockett in that group. I'm I'm really invested in Tyler Lockett. I like him a lot. But those small guys who have – in Lockett's case, I think he does have legitimate straight-ahead 40-time 
fast speed, right? And and Cooks does yeah. too, but you know Antonio Brown wouldn't register a four three something right on the forty. But the fact is, these guys match that mold of being so incredibly quick. And um, you know, I've been doing this long enough that I remember when players that size, and we'll put Odell Beckham in that category too, just weren't able to play on the outside. It wasn't something that. NFL teams tended to do offenses tended to use smaller guys in the slot, bigger guys on the outside. And here in these last four or five years, I think Antonio Brown is really kind of the, I mean, Steve Smith, you could say is a groundbreaker in that regard, but it always felt like he was a little bit more exception than rule. And here we are now with these five, eight, 175 pound guys who defensive backs are scared to bump. Cause if you miss, they're gone. There's, you know, and, they, and you miss a lot cause they're so quick. And I put Brandon Cooks in that category. I don't really put Willie Sneed in that category. He did work on the outside. He did. And so, I'll, I'll, you know, literally I'd never heard of Willie Sneed before the season started. I really didn't. I, you know, I usually know the prospects. I usually, you know, I really hadn't heard of him at all and was kind of waiting for him to fade as the season went along in New Orleans and it didn't happen. And, you know, Brandon Cooks was in fact the one who was disappointing until the second half of this second half of the year. Yep. You know, so much, I think, of what happens with the Saints offense is going to be related to the offensive line and whether, you know, how much Drew Brees has left. It's not the same offense as that we remember, but it's pretty darn good and Brees is pretty darn good. So I think Snead is okay as a wide receiver three. Um, I'd be surprised if he's more than that. I'm certainly more interested in Cooks. And I, I hear you with the, the last of the bunch there. I noted, you know, Curse, Lockett. Baldwin, all being uh, those guys that I, I kind of identified as being possible guys I'm going to be looking at this year just because of good hands and uh, deep passers, deep pass catchers, I should say. Lockett, you just did a uh, film futures from 2-2 on your podcast. Uh, what do you think of Tyler Lockett? I heard you compare him to some of the other wide receivers, uh, John Brown, uh, some big-name guys in the league. Uh, what do you think of Lockett going into next year? Yeah, blown away. I mean, you you – Always have to temper your enthusiasm with Seattle because I'm not sure what they're going to be offensively. You know, right. we're hearing that Jimmy Graham is now going to be ready week one. Stop. Just don't believe it. Like, stop. That's an agent telling someone that. Yeah. It's misinformation. A torn patellar 10 in the middle of the season. This is Victor Cruz territory. Remember, Victor Cruz was in some people's top 20 wide receivers last year during the summer until, you know, it, late in the summer because people wouldn't believe that, oh, well, they're saying he's going to be fine. Jimmy Graham's not going to be ready week one. I'd be very surprised if he's himself all year. That's a crippling injury. So maybe we say, all right, became more of a run-focused or maybe more of a pass-focused offense once they had to play three wide and – once they didn't have a healthy Marshawn Lynch and maybe Thomas, when Thomas Rawls got hurt, what are they going to be when they, when they you know, sort of reconvene? Do they still have Russell Okung as their left tackle? Do they still have Sweezy as one of their guards? Like, there's a potential for major reinvention of that offense. So all disclaimers aside with Seattle, I love Tyler Lockett. I really do. I think he belongs in the mold of the John Brown. I think he's quicker than John Brown. I think he's maybe not quite as fast, but awfully fast. Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham. I think he belongs in that category. Question is, how much do they actually focus the offense around him? They do have right. Baldwin running out of the slot. Jermaine Curse is a free agent. We don't know if he's back, but uh, I, I, if I'm picking one guy, it's it's Lockett, and it's it's way Lockett over Baldwin, way. Yeah, and like you say, we just don't know. Are they going to uh, turn the ball over to Thomas Rawls and, and be more of the run offense that we've seen in the past? Or are we going to uh, see this sort of new invented offense that we saw them uh, being this 
passing juggernaut last year. So it'll be interesting to see. And I really liked what I've seen from Lockett and I uh, got high hopes for him. And I'm with you on uh, Jimmy Graham. You know, I did uh, I looked back into other guys that have had patellar tendon injuries uh, back beyond Cruz. I think the only one I could remember was uh, Cadillac Williams as ever having a better season after his injury. And it was Barely. Right. Well, it, and, and he's a running, he had hit it on both legs and he's a running back. So different position. The, the guy yeah. who was, I did this work for Victor Cruz last summer when I was a big Victor Cruz doubter and for wide receivers, you have to go back to remember Robert Brooks for green Bay. Oh yeah. He, in the late nineties, he won NFL comeback, comeback player of the year after suffering a torn patellar tendon. So it's not like it's impossible, but we've had seven, eight, nine torn patellar tendons since then for pass catchers. And none of them, I mean, remember Mark Clayton, he was really good for yep. a couple of years, right, and gone. Yep. Uh, it's a very, very difficult injury to come back. I, I, I don't think Victor Cruz is ever going to be the same guy. I don't think Jimmy Graham's ever going to be the same guy. Right, and even with Victor Cruz, we saw it. it I mean, who knows for sure, but it seems like it, it can easily lead to other things. Of course. Yeah, other nagging injuries, you know. Um, so, yeah, I don't have high hopes there. Poor, poor guy, Jimmy Graham, that was a, a tough break for him, uh, using the term lightly. Now, another guy I've heard you talk about. Uh, and personally, I've had a real love-hate relationship with this guy, and I know many fantasy owners have as well, and that's Lamar Miller. Hmm. He is a super, super fast guy, 4-3-4, according to Roto-Wire, for his 40. Uh, I always expected him to be more of a home run hitter, and I was a little surprised when I looked him up on PFF. They credit him with 11 runs over 15 yards. Uh, not as surprised as I was to see Lacey had just as many, but I digress there. Um, now, watching Miller... Uh, now, admittedly, I'm nowhere near um, as adept at watching film as you, but when I when I watch just Miami games as kind of a, a fantasy fan, I'm always waiting for him to, to do a little bit more. It seems like there's always a play or two where he might, I don't know, cut the wrong way or just doesn't read the block right. I don't know what you call that, if that's uh, football IQ, but it seems to me he always leaves a little something on the field. Now, maybe he just doesn't get it going. I mean, he only had six games last year with double-digit carries. He's only had one season where they've given him more than 200 carries, so maybe he just needs more work. Don't get me wrong. I love this kid, but I have this love-hate. Like, I always want him to do more. He's fantastic, finished, what, fifth PPR, I believe, sixth standard, or at least top ten for sure. Uh, but I always wait for him to do more. So help me out with this kid. Uh, what's your take on the soon-to-be 25-year-old Mr. Miller? Yeah, I mean, and he's a Houston Texan, so uh, that's, yep. you know, got to figure out what that offense is. You know, we got Brock Osweiler, quarterback, and Lamar Miller at running back. Um, yeah, interesting player. I, I would never say I don't like him. I would never say I think he's bad. But I my analysis is right on with yours. You know, I... I remember too many runs where he kind of went the wrong way or was 20 yards down yeah. the field and fumbled. And there was a little bit less of that last year. Um, I, you know, his defenders are always going to have the argument that you can't rebut and you made it, which is, you know, the Miami coaching staff never trusted him enough to give him yep. a full-time workload. 25-year-old kid, why wouldn't you ride this guy when nothing else in your offense is working well and you have real doubts about your quarterback? What are you doing? Why are you keeping him on the shelf just so that he can go play for someone else? And there's, you can't rebut that. That's very possible. It would not be a shock to see him go to Houston and to see him use differently and to see him with, with what I think is a better offensive mind in Bill O'Brien as the head coach yeah. and, you know, be even better, you know, be better. He's been very good for fantasy, but the, the fact is the reason we watch film is because, you know, I don't think that past statistics are a great predictor of future statistics. You know, I think talent is the best predictor of future statistics. And so we watch film, like you were just saying, to kind of get a sense of, okay, well, how is he doing it, right? Is it just a bunch of 
one yard runs for touchdowns that are boosting it. In, in Miller's case, it kind of is, you know, I, I don't love yards per carry as an, as a stat. I just don't, I don't really believe in it. And I know that's something people always point to with Miller and say uh, they like that number. And he, he's a sprinter, you know, he's very fast. I believe the stat for, that I quoted last year going into this past season was that he had the same number of 20 plus run, 20 plus yard runs as Alfred Morris in his career. So hmm. similar, exactly the same right. thing you're saying. There does yeah. just seem to be something missing with him, and I could never tell you definitively that it was all him. I don't think that they've had good coaching staffs in, right. in Miami, but I'm with you. I'm a little uh, bemused, and I'm certainly not going to be having Lamar Miller as a first-round pick for fantasy this year. So do you think the Bill O'Brien offense, uh, the scheme, fits more his style? You know, so what it is is the Patriots scheme, right? And yeah. as a Patriots fan, somebody who grew up in, in Boston, I, I'm very familiar with that scheme. And it's not the Arian Foster system. It's not the pure zone blocking because I, I don't think that would be good for Lamar Miller. I don't think if it was the one cut and go, I, I think he runs like a chicken with his head cut off and it wouldn't. he's not patient enough kind of. Um, so – yeah, I think it's a fine for him. You know, I look, I think about the running backs that have succeeded in New England with that system, usually power backs, usually bigger guys, and to be honest, usually guys who <laughs> scored a lot from the five-yard line and in, right? We loved them because they were Stephen Ridley and Ben Jarvis Grainellis. They weren't very good players, but they were just – they were Tom Brady's caddy. And so, yeah. you know, I think you're going to see them throw the ball a lot to Miller. I think you're going to see them uh, focus a lot of – attention on him in the off, you know, in the, in, in the running game, it's probably more a power running game, which is suits him fine. Um, I'll put it this way. This is a long way of saying, I don't think it'll be the system that winds up biting him. If he is in fact bitten in Houston. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see, cause I'm, I'm so torn with him. Sometimes I mm. really love what I see. And then other times I'm like, God, what, what is he doing? He, he should have cut the other way and he would have had another 20 yards. But uh, he's just befuddled me and many an owner, especially this year. Hopefully, coaching staff uh, will see what they've got, and uh, the fans can finally see what we've got in them. Um, now, a lot of running backs, a ton of running backs, have been finding new digs lately. Yeah. All kinds of news. All kinds of news hitting Twitter with three agents <laughs> finding new locations. And in years past, we've seen a lot of running backs relocate, and you know, none really come to mind that really have hit it out of the park. So just, I mean, Steven Jackson hasn't done much. Gore was a big one last year. A lot of people were excited about an Indy and uh, didn't really live up to expectations. Matt Forte is going to be another one of these guys. Uh, do you think Forte is going to suffer the same fate as Gore? Or do you really like uh, what you've seen in Forte and um, do you have hope for him in the future? Yeah, well, I love Matt Forte. He's one of my favorite players. Uh, so any team that acquires him, I think they've made a good move. I got to acknowledge he's 30. He got hurt last year. Like there are certainly risks associated with him, but I would say the Jets got a good one. And, you know, as of our talking here, we don't know who the quarterback is. And that's kind of important. <laughs> you know, that offense has a lot of offense that has a lot of skill position weapons now. But if, if it's not, if it, if they're relying on, I don't know, RG3 to throw, you know, like, I don't, I don't think it's going to go very well, but if they have Fitzpatrick back or they have a, a better solution than, than I currently think is available, um, I'll be interested. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Forte is in a point in his career where he needs 300 touches anymore per season. Like I, I don't, I think that ship is sort of sailed, but hasn't that ship sort of sailed for everybody? Like there aren't too many yeah, teams that do right. that anymore. 
So whether it's a re-signing of Bilal Powell, whether it's Stephen Ridley getting uh, re-signed, whether it's Zach Stacy getting healthy, like I assume it's going to be Forte and Forte plus someone. Um, but I, I honestly don't think Forte has lost, at least as of the age 29 season, I don't think he lost much. I still think he is a crazy combination of size, agility, straight ahead speed, uh, patience, vision, smarts. Uh, I think he's fan- one of my favorite running backs to run uh, to watch on tape. I really, really like him, and so, you know, I can't I can't look at him and say, oh, you know, definitely in an offense that let Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker go bananas last year. Like there are, there's no question, fifteen hundred total yards and ten plus touchdowns on the table for him. Probably not. And so again, he's maybe on the borderline of top ten among running backs for me for next year, but a lot can change between now and then. But I mean, there's no question for me he's in eleven through fifteen at minimum because I like the player so much. And you know, we've got about a few minutes left here. And again, folks, I am talking to Christopher Harris. You can follow him on Twitter at Harris football and got a I wish I had all day to talk to you Chris because uh, I just enjoy the back and forth and I enjoy your insight on everything but uh, I'm going to kind of focus we've had a, a running back talk so I guess I'm going to uh, keep that theme going we sure. talked about Forte being one of the backs leaving finding new digs but what about who he's leaving behind what about a Jeremy Langford mm-hmm. very small sample size but there was certainly fantasy production to be seen um, he could be in a, a very great situation now as a the the lead back one of the very few perhaps teams still relying on one guy at least as of this time um who knows what will happen in the future but what do you like about it or not like uh, about a jeremy langford what do you think of this kid i like him i don't like him as much as matt forte so whatever i ever thought when i thought matt forte was the lead back i'm never gonna put langford in that class but you're right. I mean, I think depth chart wise, if it's Kadeem Carey as his backup, and listen, Kadeem Carey stole a couple of touchdowns at the end of down the stretch last year. That was very yeah. frustrating. But uh, if, if it's if it's Langford and Carey, and that's your backfield, I like Langford's chances pretty well. I like Carey fine as a player, but Langford has sort of that long speed, not a lot of lateral agility. You know, I don't think of him as somebody who's going to make a ton of guys miss with cuts. You know, he's going to do that with speed. I think with when we think of fantasy, we think of big plays. We remember that game against the Rams that the Bears had this past year where Langford was huge on the stat sheet and broke a couple of long runs. I think that's going to happen for him this year a couple times, and it's going to be fun to own him then. But, I, you know, I want to be careful because I think Matt Forte's in the Hall of Very Good. He's not a Hall of Famer, but he's, he's I think, in that next level down. He's had a, an amazing career. I think he's a – you know, you could look at Matt Forte and say he's been one of the five best running backs for the past, you know, however, five, six, seven years. And Langford's not in that class for me. He just isn't going to be the guy who makes a ton of stuff happen on his own, um, who who doesn't have the instinct to cut when Forte would cut or the sort of one-step quickness. Uh, but I like the size-speed combo, and so I, I think as an RB2, I'm, I, as things stand right now, I, I, I could believe. And uh, my last question for you, you've been so gracious as to give me at least uh, 30 minutes of your time. Once again, Christopher Harris, check out his podcast uh, at Harris Football. You can follow him on Twitter. Um, maybe I'll, I'll let you choose between some of the second-year backs. Maybe who is your favorite here? Uh, uh, Thomas Rawls, Carlos Williams, TJ Yeldon. Yeah, well, Yeldon loses a little bit of his luster when Chris Ivory signs with Jacksonville. Certainly does. Um, I think if I if you just asked ability wise, I think I would have said Yeldon. Uh, but really? you know, for for fantasy, it's it's looking like you know they're all unsettled situations. So we don't really know sure. what might happen in in Seattle. We don't really know what might happen in Buffalo. 
Plus, we don't know what LaShawn McCoy's fate is. I think we assume now that he doesn't have any jail time coming to him. But, um, okay. yeah, I would say talent-wise, I like Yeldon the best. Situation-wise, how can you not like Rawls the best? Um, Rawls is a player on film to me. The comparison I've been making is Ahmad Bradshaw. And mm. we like Ahmad Bradshaw. We've always liked him, right? He's, he's a, a fire plug. He can kind of do everything. Tough guy. Good, at, good nose for the end zone. Uh, everything he does is a million miles an hour. And there's a reason his feet exploded, right, year after year, because he's he doesn't he only knows one speed, right? I think that's Rawls too. He's a very violent runner. He's a shorter guy, but he's stout like Bradshaw. So if you're on that Seattle offense, and that Seattle offense is still, you know, run focused as run focused as they can be, and no Marshawn Lynch there, uh, and the and the offensive line is good enough, Rawls has got a chance to be as good as Ahmad Bradshaw was in a couple of years with the Giants when he was kind of by himself, and that was really good. Uh, very, very useful fantasy. I'm, I'm not going to have him as a first-round pick either. There just aren't a lot of running backs I feel super <laughs> trustworthy of. That's you know, probably three, and one of them yeah. is Le'Veon Bell, and uh, I'm scared to death his his injury. But um, I, I like Rawls a lot. Carlos Williams, it feels to me like kind of a one-trick pony, a very big guy, doesn't really know what he's doing as a runner, and LaShawn McCoy is there, and LaShawn McCoy is just a favorite of mine. Um, it's going to be a split job, so I'm not trying to sell you McCoy anymore as a pure starter, but I don't think Williams really has a chance to start. And then uh, if we're looking at uh, – who was our, thir- our third guy? Oh, uh, Yeldon. Uh, yes. You know, Yel- I think on talent, Yeldon is the one who surprised me the most last year. I was really surprised by TJ Yeldon. I didn't love him at Alabama. I didn't love him in the scouting process. Um, it turns out – he has a lot more lateral quickness than I gave him credit for and a lot a lot of sort of game day smarts, the things that we maybe are missing from Lamar Miller. I know the touchdowns were really frustrating and something about Jacksonville, they just maybe they don't they, they like Yeldon a lot and, and maybe they just don't want to expose him to the physical part of the game as much to try to keep him healthier and um maybe that's why Ivory is there, but you know, Ivory is a player who I think is a bruiser and really good and, and has to steal if they're both healthy, Ivory has to steal 150 touches, and that really hurts. Well, there's got to be some positive regression, you would think, with TJ Yeldon. I mean, no other team in a higher uh, rate of red zone TD passes. Yeah. 88% uh, Bortles red zone attempts was tied uh, with 100. So you would think they're going to give some more red zone rushes, more uh, running game next year. You would think some positive regression is going to come their way, but he's now going to be splitting some carries with uh, Mr. Ivory. So uh, yeah. And you would think Ivory as the, as the yeah. really powerful guy, as the guy, you know, I think Yeldon has good power, but I'm not, I'm going to be honest. Chris Ivory has more. I like Ivory a yeah. lot, actually. I think he's, he's fairly nimble for how big he is. I think he has good feet for how big he is. I uh, wish he had landed somewhere where he had a, a chance at a bigger role. Clearly, that wasn't available right. for him. Um, so if I, if we were gonna, if you and I were gonna take bets right now, like which Jacksonville running back has more touchdowns at the end of the year, I think we probably both have to say Ivory. Yeah, as uh, Paul Chargian says, Beast East. Yeah, uh, I like I like the Ivory, but uh, it'll yeah certainly um, splitting time won't be as good for fantasy for either back. We shall see. That's why we tune into the games, Chris. <laughs> That's why they play them. <laughs> That's right. Hey, folks, this has been another Pyro Light podcast with Pyromaniac Mo. You can follow me on Twitter. That's at Pyromaniac Mo. And Christopher Harris. Follow him on Twitter at Harris Football. And check out his podcast, always dropping the goo and the knowledge. Christopher Harris, it's really been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for having me on. I had a really great time.
Hey, absolutely. Thank you, sir. And for uh, the rest of the pyromaniacs out there, check out our draft kit. We have uh, just officially released it uh, a few days ago, and uh, we will be constantly updating that throughout the season. Uh, I will be back just in roughly about another week with another fantasy football talk on the Pyro Light podcast. Until then, everyone, you take it easy.